Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 271st episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that helps you pull your head out of your portable hole as gently as possible. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, aka at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host this week is Travis Allen, at Wizard Bumpin on Twitter, and we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Good evening, James. Good evening, everyone. Glad to be here. And looking forward to another exciting show with you. Uh, our show is produced by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at mtgprice.com to track your specs, chat on Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. These Tuesdays are going to be a bumpy ride for a little while because <clears throat> my wife went back to uh, to ballet. So I now have to watch my kid for like two or three hours every Tuesday right before we record. And that is... Uh, <laughs> I thought last week was going to be an outlier, but nope, I am beat again. Yeah, I had had Alara for a big chunk of this afternoon, so I can, and I well remember when it was significantly tougher than it is now. These days, she just you just give her a bunch of Lego, and she's good to go. Yeah, we're in that. We got a couple of years before we get to that point. Indeed. MGG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering single, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5, that's the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Travis, what do we have on the agenda this week? Well, this week, a show in four parts. So segment one, our MTGO metagame week in review. We've got some modern and legacy challenges. Segment two, our top paper movers, a couple of cards that have seen some price gains this week, uh, as well as some top moto movers. Segment three, our paper cards to watch, a handful of cards that we like the outlook on. And finally, four, uh, segment four, our topic of the week. After we finished recording last week, I said to James, I don't think there's going to be anything, any big news or anything interesting between now and next episode. So we should try and think of a topic. And then two days later, we had the Modern Horizons 2 stream. And so now we'll talk about that. Plus D&D. Plus D, well, right, yeah, because that was, wasn't that part of it or something? Big part of it, yep. Yeah, so uh, a couple couple bullet points there. But let's hop in at the top here. So, So I've got a bonus segment for the week. Can, oh, I, can, okay. can I audible a bonus segment? I uh, sure. My, my bonus segment is called So You Want to Be a Pro Trader. Uh, okay. What? Where would you like to insert this? Uh, right now is fine. Okay. You never know who, who makes it all the way to the end of the podcast after we get past our, our selections for the week. And, and this is one that certainly stymies more than a handful of people per week who end up getting rejected from pro trader so and we've never actually explained how any of that works <laughs> on cast so i figured we might throw the the line out there since inevitably there are a group of people every week who listen to this cast and decide now is the time they're going to take the plunge so they go to mtgprice.com and they pay their money and they wait patiently for a few minutes expecting to get their password to log into the site or whatever they think is behind the paywall. 
and it doesn't come and then they get frustrated and then they start sending messages and probably worth spending a little bit of time explaining what's going on there. Which is not an entirely unreasonable expectation no. given that virtually everything else you sign up for functions that way. Yeah, and it's worth recapping off the top that I've been running Web Design Studio for better part of a generation. So all the stuff that's broken with the old <laughs> mtgprice.com site, trust me, it's just as annoying to me as it is to you. In fact, maybe more so because I have to. It, it ends up uh, costing me time and efficiency on a day after day after day basis. First thing to say is that there is a new site coming. We're looking to launch that this year. It's going to resolve most of these issues by providing a more streamlined onboarding process. And we all very much look forward to that. In the meantime, probably the first point is that when you sign up for ProTrader, it's not super well explained on the site. There's a vetting process. So you're not just paying your money and now you're in. You're paying your money and now you're getting vetted. And if you pass vetting, then we continue to bill you money. And if you don't pass vetting, we refund you whatever you paid and, and everybody gets to move on with their lives. The vetting process is basically about looking for people that are going to be productive members of the pro trader community. We try to, we, we seem, we think that we hold ourselves to a pretty high standard of behavior inside pro trader. Uh, there's a lot of people in there that are regularly relying on each other for favors that are doing deals across borders that are uh, sharing, you know, sharing what we hope is super useful and efficient information in a fairly bustling uh, data flow. And it behooves us on that basis to only add people into the mix that are going to further enhance that experience for everybody else so that you know, things do not degrade slowly but surely over time. It doesn't mean that you have to be any kind of super special MTG finance wizard, and you certainly don't don't need to be, um, you know, advanced in your, either how much you buy or sell or how much you know. But you do need to be polite. That's a big one. We, I, I have exiled people from ProTrader many times for being impolite. Uh, you need to be basically a straightforward individual, somebody who's not going to try to win one over on people or scam people or use misinformation to attempt to gain deal flow. Um, you know, if you're a shady character, stick to Facebook and, and Reddit and try to keep out of our backyard. The other thing we're looking for is just that we can identify that you are, in fact, a real human being that has a regular pattern of behavior in the online world. And this one gets a little tricky because in 2021, there are some very good reasons, I'm sure we can both agree, to not want to have a major online presence. Mm -hmm. <laughs> for, for many people, for many different reasons. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that when people come to me and say, oh, I don't have any social accounts whatsoever, no Facebook, no Twitter, no LinkedIn, no nothing, and also won't share any information that would otherwise prove who they are, like who they work for, or some proof of identity. Uh, it gets pretty sticky. So most of those people get rejected. Um, occasionally we have a detailed conversation and, and try to get out of the weeds, but 
most of the time it just feels we'd rather be safe than sorry. So if I don't blame you for wanting to have a, a low, uh, high degree of privacy online, but it's just not really copacetic with being a pro trader where everybody is pretty much wears their identity on their sleeve and people so that people know who they're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. I, I have uh, been a member of many, many different web-based communities that are run in various fashions. And uh, I can say that the way that ProTrader is managed is distinct among them. Uh, it will likely be off-putting <laughs> for some people, but yep. it is... Uh, for the ultimately for the better of the community with the amount of money and group behaviors that occur there has to be an additional level of trust that you don't get in any really any other online space yeah you're you're for instance you're much safer transacting with a known pro trader than you are some random individual on any other social site the because for somebody to come in and scam somebody on something means they lose access to ProTrader, which would be foolish because it's worth a lot of money. So not just because there's good deal flow and excellent group buys, but because just interacting with other ProTraders, people that have nothing to do with our, our team, um, is super valuable just to keep on top of things and multiple times per day, week, or month, depending on your level of activity, you're going to end up tripping over things that make that worthwhile and incent good behavior on all sides. We also have a whole channel dedicated to people calling out other people that have done them like super solids and favors and have helped them get cards they needed or uh, transported, you know, ship them stuff from overseas and, and all of that. So it's all aimed at, you know, sure, there are some spiky gates out front, but inside everybody's like, it's basically a hippie con commune where you just have to be nice to everybody and and shoot shoot sunshine out your eyes yeah it is it it, yeah and i my comments are are independent from from anything james asked me to say it is effective but it is uh distinct in its experience (laughs) yeah so what else is there to cover on that point uh when we don't get back to you for a long time it usually means we're doing I, i need to put time aside to more extensively vet the person in question so some people go a week or two weeks <clears throat> without getting information back from us. Apologies that that does does occasionally occur, but it usually means it's necessary. Either we don't have time uh, to dive down the rabbit hole and try to figure out who you are, or you're in the back of a lineup because a bunch of people signed up at the same time, and we have a bunch of stuff to process. So you can always feel free to ping us at, uh, for me, it's james at mtgprice.com. And there's also contact info on the website that'll lead you to similar avenues. If you sign up and you need information or trying to figure out where you are in the process, do feel free to reach out and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. And uh, ultimately, if, you, if you're rejected, no hard feelings. It's it's not a... <laughs> we, we do try to add to the community where, wherever it seems beneficial and where it seems safe. And if, if you didn't get in, it probably means that something seemed unsafe about you. You're shady. Maybe you're entirely not shady. Like I, I, I'm willing to hazard the guess that maybe a third to a half of all the people that we reject are not at all shady. They just have different standards and expectations from their online communities, and 
they don't either don't want to share information because they're not comfortable, which is totally fine, or they misunderstand the process or have different expectations. There's also like a group of people that sign up looking for completely different things. Like multiple times a week, people will get rejected just because they sign up looking for an eBay-like experience. Like they think it, that it's going to be, I, I have a collection from my basement and I just want to sell it. Now we have a very active buy-sell trade forum, but paying money to join ProTrader to sell something specific is not really, does, doesn't really make a lot of sense. Like you're better off just getting on eBay, TCG Player, Facebook, etc. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, okay. So you want to be a pro trader? Start to there finish. You go. All good. Probably. Probably could have had that conversation a long time ago, but. Yep. Would have been <laughs> useful maybe a year ago. <laughs> uh, okay. So let's start at the top. Right. Meta game we can okay. review. Yeah, with uh, Amulet Titan winning the Modern Challenge, which is whatever not particularly interesting other than the fact that we've seen it do well um recently i guess a lot of Marie's calls sort of interesting as a two of their uh might be one of the better angles on that deck but what jumps out at me is uh living end in second place which we have seen and fifth and fifth yeah have seen none of in quite some time yeah, and the interesting thing here is that th this is just a pile of combo decks this week. Living End, only new cards of recent memory are Brazen Borrowers and Force of Negations, of which they run four of both. And Ad Nauseam was in third. Green-White Creature Combo was in sixth. And you had a pair of Bring to Light decks in seventh and eighth. Yorion Bring to Light. 80 card version with four Niv Mizzet, four Omnath, four Prismari command. Uh, Prismari, uh, one of the few cards that didn't present a, a superior shorting opportunity on Magic Online quite yet. I think it's up around seven or eight tickets still. Uh, a thorn in various people's sides. Uh, mm -hmm. And Blue Red Prowess was really the only aggro deck anywhere in the mix. Um, most notable inclusion there being three expressive iteration, the new card out of Strixhaven. Mm -hmm. Which is, uh, as several of our users have made a point to tell me, better than telling time because you can technically draw two cards off of it by playing the card, the card you exiled, which is might be a land, and keeping the other card in your hand. Well, the other thing that's really great in the low-slung uh, blue-red prowess decks is that a lot of their spells are basically free anyway. So they're if you know the two mana they spell on express spend on expressive iteration might be the only mana they need to, and you know they play a land and cast a spell for free. They're doing real well because that they got two spells which got two pumps on their creatures as they're swinging into attack and got a land into play. You know they're in business. Mm -hmm. It's uh, yeah, it's an interesting, interesting deck design there with the expressive iteration. So probably the spiciest thing in this whole modern challenge was the eighth place deck. This, if you just look at it at a glance, you think, oh, it's another bring delight deck. But hold on, this is a little different. This is blue black control that just happens to run the bring delights to pull out the Valkies. 
So they have three Snapcaster Mage, 23 Instants and Sorceries, and that's like stuff like Abrupt Decay, Archmage's Charm, Cling to Dust, Cryptic Command, Fatal Push, Force of Negation, Logic Knot, Mana Leak, Opt. So basically blue-black control, all-stars. And then a Damnation and four Mishra's Bobble. And then they've just got the three Bring to Light pa- package to either cast one of those things if they need to. But keep in mind that Bring to Light is a sorcery. So <clears throat> it's not going to help you to try to bring to light a counter spell on command. So it seems mostly like they want those BTLs just to act as additional copies of Elki. Yeah, I mean, if you, you know, bring a light, you have to pay the different color mana cost too, so you got to kind of work with it. But, I mean, it allows you to go, uh, yes, you get Valky, uh, push comes to shove, you can get Snapcaster to target a one mana spell, although that probably doesn't come up too often. The Damnation is a choice. Uh, Archmage's Charm might be fine. Uh, at sorcery speed same with cryptic command like maybe it's it's a bummer they're not at instant speed but a sorcery speed cryptic command might still be fine i'm i think um, as i'm looking through here i think the bring the lights are basically just a expensive tutor tutor plus cast yeah it adds a little bit of flexibility instead of just running the full four valkies they uh, also were notable not- noting that they have a Lurus in the sideboard, as so many modern decks seem to at this point, because the only permanents they're running uh, are Snapcaster Mage, Velky, and Mishra's Bobble, all of which work with Lurus. Mm-hmm. So that's cute. Yeah, more companions. Still too good. Yep. Uh, or just Or just good enough, depending on how you look at it now. Uh, definitely too good in the past. <laughs> so I figured that we'd look at Legacy again this week and maybe start switching back and forth between Pioneer and Legacy until we figure out what the heck's going on with paper. Mm. So next up, we've got the Legacy Challenge also from May 9th. And first deck on the agenda there is a bug list with uh, four Uro, four Green Suns, Zenith, and a bunch of the usual suspects. Blue Red Delver was in second and fourth and seventh. Uh, the second place list was running a Bone Crusher Giant and three Ethereal Forager, both of which had been specs on this cast in the past. In f- uh, fifth place, we had Blue Black Ninjas with four Yuriko and four Retrofitter Foundry. Uh, if I was playing Legacy, I think I would probably be pretty attracted to that deck. Uh, sixth place was Cephalid Breakfast, which is just a wild <laughs> mess of a list, unless you know what you're looking at. I had to go ask the, ask the pro traders what the name of this deck was. Oh yeah, Cephalid Breakfast is a that is from the old old era of deck names that essentially didn't make sense. Three Cephalid Illusionist, three Narcomoeba, three Noble Hierarch, three Nomads on Core. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a reader. Four Stoneforge Mystic, one Thassa's Oracle, two Cabal Therapy, one Dread Return, four Living Wish, four Ponder, four Brainstorm, two Days, four Force of Will, a Batter Skull, a Shuko. Let's just review. Yeah, Shuko, baby. Shuko is an equipment from the Kamigawa block that costs one, only gives plus one, and equips for zero. And they're running that alongside Batter Skull and Umazawa's Jite. And I'm certain that I have not detected the subtlety in this deck that requires that. Uh, you target... So you... Um, Cephalid Illusionist 
is when it becomes a target of a spell or ability, you mill three cards, and Shuko allows you to repeatedly target Cephalid Illusionist oh. with the equip cost for free, giving yourself an infinite number of mills. It's a Got redundant it. copy of Nomads and Core. Got it. Cool. Uh, all right. <laughs> so that deck is wild. Yep. And then we've got... That was how they. That was how they used to make them. <laughs> now you're just like, ah, I'm gonna play uh, Ar- Arkangel, Thune, and Spike Feeder. Like, nah, get that shit out of here. You are gonna play cards that you would not pick and draft. Yep. If you are gonna play a competitive event, buddy. Third place is a mono red prison list. Three Chandra Torch of Defiance. Four Karn the Great Creator with a with a healthy sideboard package. Uh, two Bonecrusher Giant, more Bonecrusher Giant in multiple formats, four Goblin Rabble Master, four Simeon Spirit Guide. Uh, good that somebody has somewhere to play the copies that were banned out of modern, but uh, were just printed in Time Spiral Remastered. Three Mono Red Prison List is begging for a joke that would be, I should not make on this cast. <laughs> All right. Three Shatter Skull Smashing in Legacy, third place. Two Abrade. And then the prison components, four Chalice of the Void, four Chromox for fast mana, three Ensnaring Bridge, and three Trinisphere, three Blood Moon, and two Blood Sun. And of course, the land base in these decks is always a bunch of uh, two mana lands. So four Ancient Tomb, four City of Traitors, Mountains, and Snow-Covered Mountains. And then the weirdest card in this list, two Anjay's Ravager. And I guarantee you people have to go look this one up. It's a Commander 2019 Vampire Berserker, two and a red, three, three. It attacks each combat of Able, and when it attacks, you discard your hand, then draw three cards, and you can madness it into play. Didn't we talk about Rikers not that long ago? No, this isn't, this isn't, this is Andre's Ravager. Wait, what did I say? Wreckers. Oh, I'm sorry. Didn't we talk about Andre's Ravager not that long ago? Like, I feel like this isn't the... The first time we've seen this card recently. I feel like we saw another random red card in a in a weird list, and we're talking about that. Hmm. Like it was a, some pirate or something we were looking at. Okay. I presume this is on Chromax, right? That's the trick here. You don't dis- you... you don't discard on, on Chromax, you exile. Hmm, that is true, isn't it? I, I, I'm not sure it's as any more complicated than you want to go get stuff. Like, it attacks, you, you, you've already played out your whole hand because you have a lot of fast mana, and you want to reload, and this thing reloads. Yeah, I, uh, I think you're probably right. It's not anything fancy, it just continues to refill your hand after you dump everything to play your fast mana. Yeah, that's probably right. I will agree with it. Are, if you're playing this deck, are you running those secret layer Goblin Rabble Masters that are depicted? Oh, God. It's funny because I moused over Goblin Rabble Master and saw that art, and I hate it. Part, partially because uh, it just feels like kind of a mess um, when you look at it quickly. It's just a sea of, like, pinkish red hues, um, and I don't care for that. It's not even a comment on the art itself. I just, or the art style, I should say. I just couldn't really see it. And probably the only other thing that jumped out at me here is the eighth place list was another bug list, but this one includes the Chain of Smog, Witherbloom, Apprentice combo. Uh, two Chain of Smog, four Witherbloom. Um, and 
The other standout there is Two Abundant Harvest, a card we're going to talk about a little further down the road here today. Um, for this card, this card is a Modern Horizons 2 card that I think we referenced last week. That is... was re- Modern Horizons 2? Yeah, it's a Modern Horizons 2 card, but they preview printed it in the Mystical Archives for Strixhaven. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah. I did not know that. So you're going to get this again in Modern Horizons 2, but I'm willing to bet it is not a rare or mythic. It's a common or an uncommon, in which yeah. case in which case it will not get a foil, a, a fancy version. When I, when I saw this, I thought this was just a common from... Strixhaven? A, a set, yeah, if not Strix, yeah, Strixhaven or something else, you know, recent that I just hadn't noticed because I, you know, I don't check every common to to the point of memorization. So my sneaky musing here is that they flagged Abundant Harvest internally as likely being a a much stronger card than it appears on the surface, and hence decided to give it a premium version in Strixhaven, since they weren't going to be doing that in Modern Horizons two. Yeah, I would presume that it's uh, probably decent, but not stellar. I don't think they don't want to put anything too. They wouldn't want to use that slot on anything too good. I think it's no once upon a time. Yeah, but it's probably middle of the pack. Um, but I mean, for or, or, for b- better than most of the other commons in the set, maybe. Well, and for green to get a selection spell that gets played in legacy. That's impressive. Yeah. So we're worth watching, and we'll talk about it more a little later in the cast. The um, So that wraps up the metagame week in review. We'll move on over to the top paper movers of the week. First off the top of the order, we have Dacon Blackblade, the original legend printing. I think it was reprinted in Chronicles, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, non-foils going from somewhere in the 130s up into the, I don't know, call it somewhere between 170 and 250, depending on where you're looking and if you can find a copy in stock in near mint. Uh, why, you might ask? Well, not only have old cards been targeted for the better part of the year, it's also uh, a character that showed up on the packaging for Modern Horizons 2, so it is presumed that we will get a Dacon Blackblade card uh, in Modern Horizons 2 shortly, which will put focus on the original. It would be uh, stunning if that card was not in Modern Horizons 2. <laughs> it just had someone do a piece of art that looked extraordinarily like that guy with the uh, identifiable art and posture and pose and just didn't use it. <laughs> yeah, seems unlikely, but... Uh, oh, extra unlikely, actually, I think, because the artist... Uh, put it well put that art up on his i think it was either twitter or instagram profile or something and had been commenting on it and people were chitter chattering about black blade and there was like winking and nudging going on so it seemed like it was more or less confirmed um i mean not that that means you should be chasing after original deck on black blades because of this but there's so few of them around in great condition at this point that bite off one or two of them at a cheap price you find somewhere you're probably doing fine yeah, yeah. I mean, I would buy it for cheap if I could find it, but I don't think anyone. It's, this card is not suddenly going to be good. No, no, no. It's not a playable card. No. It'd be more of a nostalgia play. Yeah. 
Uh, Blackblade 2, by the way, we have already seen um, recently because Gideon ended up with it. Yeah, the Black... Gideon Blackblade. Yeah. yeah, the Blackblade was in Dominaria yep. as a legendary so. equipment. Uh, Magus of the Moon out of Future Sight. Foils 130 to 180. Uh, the original foil of Magus of the Moon. And if I recall, the that had the Future Sight frame, I think. Uh, no, it didn't have the Future Sight frame, which is a real bummer because the Future Sight frame was really cool. Um, but the original foil, I mean, to me, that's kind of wild. Like, you're talking about a big chunk of change for that original foil, and you can get the IMA foils for like 20 bucks. And it's I, virtually identical. I mean, I know it's the original, but I mean, come on, guys. Well, I mean, there's 200 or so, maybe 300 old border foils that rocket shipped this week as well as part of an ongoing trend of people targeting them. And at this point, like, it's just the most random stuff. Like, Parch from Urza's Legacy. Is Urza's Legacy the first set of foils, or is it Destiny? I always forget. Legacy. Yeah, so Legacy is the first foils ever. People have just decided to buy them all. Okay. Um, It's very confusing for me, having watched them just languish for 20 years and nobody gave a shit, and all of a sudden it's a big deal. Uh, But whatever. (laughs) I mean, I've got tons of that stuff sitting around from the super collection and other collections I bought plus my own collection. So if you want to make all these like trivial three cent cards into 20 and $30 bills for me, go for it. Yeah. Can't, I mean, I'm going to complain because I don't have any of that stuff anymore, but I wouldn't complain if I had any of it. <laughs> you don't have it cause you bulked it or what? Um, I mean, I can't say I have none of it, but like there have been more than once in my magic career that I have taken huge amounts of bulk stuff and gotten rid of it just because it was taking up space and I didn't need it. Sure. Uh, but I did pull out most of the foils, I think. Deranged Hermits from Urza's Legacy, the non-foils, 55 to 85. Uh, we know that there are squirrels in Modern Horizons 2, and this is on the reserve list. So... Put those two together, and here you go. No idea if there's a full squirrels theme, like if squirrels is a draft tribe, or if there's just like two or three squirrel cards. No, no clue. But sure, go chase after all the squirrel cards because you saw squirrels yeah, on the packaging. It, and it doesn't even really matter. Like there, there's probably only going to be one or two. Didn't were there not squirrels in uh, Modern Horizons? Now that I say this. I like wasn't there like one or two Modern Horizons cards that mentioned squirrels? Well, it, there's Deep when, Forest Hermit, which is further up the list here. Foils going from eight to eighteen for the same reasons. Yeah. Okay. So this is yeah. This is what I'm thinking of. It's probably something like this, where there's like one card, two cards that reference squirrels, but that doesn't matter because it will remind a couple more people that squirrels exist, and one or two, a couple more people will decide they need to go get the deranged tournament, and you know looks different now than it did was it two years ago when the first modern horizons came out so there you go i'm just curious to see whether they're going to print squirrel storm which is a spell my the characters in the ravnica tactics D campaign that we're running for the pro traders uh are chasing after since one of them found the crown of the squirrel queen <laughs> I, I good luck friend provides it provides protections but only for the part of your head that it covers okay 
that's how most helmets work. Yeah. This one's just really small, so it's has unique properties. I see. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gingetaxis core auger out of uh, new Phyrexia foils from 55 to 88 or so. I presume this is on the back of the rumor of a fresh version of this character that didn't materialize in Strixhaven. And my theories of them giving us a Phyrexian per set have been dashed. So now we're waiting to see if, when, where are the Phyrexians going to pop out next. Yeah, I suppose at this point it's just any, anyone's guess. But I, I I don't think they put... They obviously didn't put Vorinclex out there with no plans to include them at all in any other products. But this wasn't going to be a one, two, three, four, five scenario uh, or however many of them are left alive. I don't know. I've been keeping track of the story. So I, I would guess it will take about two to three years now before we see all of them. And then that will lead to whatever it is they're doing in the story. Modern Horizons 2, it's worth noting, does not... Like Modern Horizons 1 before, it presumably does not have any particular narrative associated with it. It's just a bunch of snapshots of characters and spells from throughout Magic's history. So it's entirely possible they could throw some Phyrexians in here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, they could. I feel like that would be a sort of an odd place to put them, honestly. Because by putting Vorinclex in uh, Call Time, they've clearly signaled that there's something going on here but you know what they could do is actually they could put one of them in here but indicate that they took place in some location right like we might get jingataxis and it will be mentioned that he was skulking around during the battle against exodus or something like that well it could be like it could be like on on the plane of kaladesh it was it was too late by the time they realized the full reach of Gingitaxis's effect or whatever. And it yeah. could just be like an uh, allusion to something that's happening a year later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, what's, it's, you know, yeah. it's we- where I don't expect them is on Innistrad. It's weird to me that they're setting up the Phyrexians, which are very heavy on the body horror. Like if anybody who's ever seen Hellraiser, like that's basically the Phyrexians. And I don't feel like that's a good match for Innistrad this time around. Because they just did body horror to the extreme with the whole Emrakul's on Innistrad by mistake and everybody's got tentacles growing out of their cheek. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, it does give them a different angle to do the horror world, though, right? Like the place where everything is creepy and scary. Now, instead of it being these eldritch monsters, it's these sort of half-robot monstrosities that are getting stitched together by this faceless evil force out in the world i i like i get what you're saying but i could see them trying to draw a distinction between those see i think the phyrexians narratively are much more effective on pretty boy planes like them going somewhere like eldraine or uh lorwyn or whatever lorwyn (laughs) is, is much more interesting to me than say kaladesh or innistrad where first of all innistrad already has Sorry about that. That was a long wind-up. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to leave that in so people can hear how long it took for that scene to happen. <laughs> so Innistrad already has Stitcher's supplier-type stuff, right? Like, they already... The blue themes already included, like, Frankenstein-esque body recreation. So it's almost like the Phyrexians showed up, they'd be like, okay, like, do you want the third stall on the left? 
because yeah. this neighborhood's I, already got a bunch of Phyrexia in it. I, I mean, I completely agree that they feel like they're they feel like they're less interesting there than they would be in other planes. Like the Phyrexians running around Lorwyn and terrorizing the Kithkin and the Fae is <laughs> more amusing than you know. Oh, Phyrexian werewolf! Like, okay, whatever. What is this? That stupid mashup card game? Like, so yeah, I don't know. But we'll see. They're gonna, I don't know, whatever. I get the sense uh, they're going more gothic this fall. Like, I think until I'm proven wrong, I'm because there's there's talk of a wedding. It's got. It, it seems like they're digging back into the Twilight nonsense again. Like that. There's either there's going to be two powerful vampires that get married. Like Soren's going to get married or. There's going to be a werewolf that marries a vampire and they'll do a Romeo and Juliet thing. Like, ugh. Ugh. No, what they should have done is they should have leaned in the Dark Souls. They should have, they should turn Innistrad into a Dark Souls set. Like, even harder. Lanner, La, make a, make a Lanner Ando. Oh, God, that'd be so cool. Uh. Well, they, 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 the, the possibility of having video game crossovers has now been opened. So, who knows yeah. what will happen in three years. That's, we're we're a decade too late. That would have had to have happened already. Dark Souls does not have the cultural cachet that it did back then. Uh, Civic Growth Chamber foils out of Iconic Masters fourteen to twenty three. Emil Titan has been doing well over and over again. We're putting continuing to put time between us and Iconic Masters. The original foils are probably I'm guessing like fifty or sixty bucks, if not more. Uh, they're relatively popular in EDH too. Probably not enough people run them there, I would guess. Uh, so you've got a pretty decent demand profile on these. And the only reason these aren't higher sooner was because they were commons and IMA kind of sucked. Simic Growth Chambers in 35,000 decks on EDH, right? So it's doing fine over there. Peachy Keen, 35,000. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good one. 25% of all Simic decks. Yeah. Uh, Hex Drinker foils Modern Horizons 170 up to about 120. It's a mythic. It's from a set that had a low foil drop rate. It's actually seeing some play again. There you have it. Yep. Shardless Agent out of EMA foils from 22 to 40 mid 40s. Rumored for Modern Horizons 2. The EMA foils isn't what I would be targeting in advance of that. Yes. That's one of those funny things is like, oh, they're going to reprint this card and this set that's about to come out. I better go buy the existing copies so that I already own them when it gets reprinted and I keep pulling them as rares in this new draft format. And they're going to, and they might be giving us an old border foil version of it. So yeah, because we saw Sanctum Prelate old border. So the only version I want to be anywhere near is the judge foils because judge foils, even when they use the same art, seem to just float above the rest of the nonsense yeah and even then i wouldn't be like excited about that right there there is frankly there is no interesting version of shardless agent if anything if you're trying to react to the news that shardless agent is going to be in modern horizons 2 you should be going what are people going to cascade into sure like what is going to be the thing that previously wasn't that useful that gets a lot better under this world uh well although that might be tricky too it's also possible that shardless agent is not in modern horizons too but there is rumor there was rumor that there were new free spells to cascade into which could be the other half of the driving driving force there Mm, and that would make a little more sense to be fair uh bring delight foils these are just pack foils from bfc took a long time that was like five years ago and i'm sure we've talked about it on cast at least once if not twice 
and they've been slow to get there, which is pretty interesting given that the supply has never been that deep for the last couple of years, and BTL decks have been around and consistently performing for quite some while, and they almost always run three or four copies. Yeah, it it uh, yeah, you're. This is all true, and it's, the question is why did it take so long for them to finally get there? I don't know. Maybe B, there's probably just too much BFZ, right? That seems like the most yeah, obvious answer. It was a heavily op- heavily open set, but I also think that it's it's that it's not really a cross format staple it's not like a big deal in edh right uh no archmage's charm no 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 bring the light bring the light oh uh no i i mean it's probably in like six or seven k would be my guess i mean it seems like it'd be okay but not like stunning I'll look that up while you move us along. Okay. Uh, then it's Archmage's Charm. Uh, Out of Modern Horizons non-foils. A double up from 7 to 15. Um, as we mentioned before, we were seeing it with some a little bit of resurgence in play. I mean, I don't remember talking about this card at all in previous weeks, and now here it is. The foils are wild. They're up over $80 or some nonsense. Um, yeah, somebody sniped, base... sniped one off my eBay account in the high 40s and got a good deal. Hmm. <laughs> Sure, whatever, man. <laughs> I wouldn't complain too much about that. Uh, lot, just a lot of Modern Horizons across the board here. Deep Forest Hermit, too, out of Modern Horizons. Foils, 8 to 18. At least that one makes some sense because we got a Picos of Squirrels in Modern Horizons, too. But, um, well, the Archimedes you know, Charm is getting tons of play in Modern. That's not That one's not random at all. Yeah, no, I'm not saying it's random. I just Modern Horizons in general seems to be... We're talking about it more than we have in the past. I... I still, I, I'm not calling into question that what people are spending their money on. I know that they are buying these cards. I find some of the concepts here interesting. Like, Archmage's Charm is doing really well in Modern right now. I should go buy a playset. Even though I haven't played Modern in 15 months and don't know when I'm going to play it again. Well, they, they did a it. a major set's about to come out and, like, change the face of modern oh, keep in mind depending on what state and city you're in wizards has given the green light to start playing within a couple weeks so yeah the end of may right so there you go this isn't this isn't just but i mean that's not just about archmage's charm that's about you know i said i had the same comments about hex drinker two months ago just like who i don't doubt that people are buying it i'm mostly just bewildered that they think that's a good place to spend their money well i also think that there's people that heard counterspell was being approved and immediately assumed that that just makes the other control spells that'll be played alongside it even better like you're going to go ca- yeah. counterspell into archmage's storm into cryptic command yes yeah, so you you could do that that still has the uh the the fact of well okay all of that could be true but we're still talking about paper cards in a world where you're not really playing paper, doesn't get away from my my bone that I have picked. The, the, but. the collectors, the collector slash players, clearly are willing to build, get their decks prepped well in advance. I mean, they're just yeah. they're just starved for stuff to do, my man. Pretty, it would certainly seems that way. Uh, Creekwood Liege get, get a new hobby. <laughs> <laughs> Creekwood Liege out of even tide, and I also believe it was in Modern Masters 2015, from eight to mid twenties or so. That's on the back of Witherbloom EDH builds being able to make use of it. 
Uh, we see the same thing with uh, at the top of the list here. We have Savra, Queen of the Golgari, out of Ravnica. And it was also printed in the theme decks, I think, last year, if I'm not mistaken. Going from 3 to 14. And actually, on TCG, it's pushing 20+. plus. Uh, eBay's a little further behind. This is on the back of it being useful in Witherbloom-specific EDH builds as well. And I think people that noticed it for that those purposes may also just be considering making her the the headliner uh, and doubling back on using her as the commander. So she, mm-hmm. she does lots of fun things with black and green creature tokens. Yep. New Vegas Elemental, the foils from Return the Ravnica, uh, also seen play in Modern in some of the various builds there of uh, the essentially creature-based storm um, in concert with that new white creature whose name escapes me out of Strixhaven that essentially does has a similar effect. So uh, redundant versions of these creatures is something I think the deck has been looking for a little bit and we're really seeing uh, really seeing them pop up in modern these days. Experimented with. They're, they don't seem to be making their way into most of the, the mainline builds. Like if we go back to that fourth place list from the modern challenge... Uh, they're running Swift Spear, Soul Scar Mage, Sprite Dragon, Stormwing Entity seems to be the the standard inclusions. But there are versions that are lower slung that have tried to make use of the Niv Magus Elemental. Yeah, I think it's you know those decks tend to be a little more sensitive to particular card choices than other builds like just a straightforward control build or something like that. Um, so sometimes it can be a little more work to find just the right mix or the missing link that you, you know, you didn't have yet that suddenly makes the deck playable or maybe Niv Magus just isn't good enough. That's also possible too, but I'm not completely discounting it yet. Crypt of Agademum out of Zendikar, original Zendikar, foils from 12 to 48 or so, maybe on the back of Extus getting built in EDH. I mean, it's a solid card. It's been around for a while. Uh, or been useful for a while, probably mildly underplayed. Uh, Crypt of Agadim is the quote-unquote fixed uh, Tomb of Urborg. And I have, to, I have to look it up to get the exact tax. It's, you pay, what is it, two tap, add a black for every creature in your graveyard? Yeah, every black creature in your graveyard. You mean fixed Cabal Coffers? What did I say? Tomb of Yogg... Yeah, I said Tomb of Yogg-Moth, correct. Urborg, uh, Cabal sure. Coffers, Yeah. Uh, Urborg. Boy, I am not getting anything right tonight here. It's all good, baby. Brain. I, I like the, I, I do like Crypt of Agadim, and it always felt like it moved slower than it should have. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not surprised to see it here. I'm surprised it took this long. Counterspell. We're talking about the uh, signature spellbook series foils, fifteen to sixty-five on the back of Counterspell being officially announced with uh, as a modern legal card as of modern horizons 2 in a few weeks and all that rumor had already been floating around so a lot of the premium versions were already on the move but now they've been pushed even higher and uh, lots of copies were changing hands this weekend making pro traders some money yeah yeah that was a a good one i was on i was not eager to hop on that train but i didn't fault anyone who uh was buying up the counter spells ahead of time hoping to get lucky Star- it was a strong enough rumor, it seems. Star City Games has already run two articles, one saying that Counterspell is going to see significant play in Modern, the other one saying it won't. So Yeah. I, I will say that from every, virtually every card that has been unbanned or brought back into the fold in Modern, 
overwhelmingly it ends up being fine at best fine in many cases unplayable um stoneforge is one of the better cards to have been like unbanned or or added to the format in this case unbanned that just ended up not being as good as you thought it would be uh mind sculptor uh you know notoriously looked way too good for the format and showed up and just has done very little um they've added other cards to the format via modern horizons and stuff like that and they just weren't good enough so the point being here is that i'm not holding my breath for counter spell to be relevant um, there's there's plenty of other two mana counter spells that are quite effective and more less uh mana intense and that matters a lot in that format so my money would be uh not particularly meaningful so the point being here that uh if you're holding copies i would not be holding out hoping to see counterspell as like the major card in the format and price is just going nuts i would be shipping my copies because i think it's more likely than not that a couple trickle out out of the first events and then it really settles from there well and, and you're getting a fresh crop of them and a, another premium version yeah. uh in modern horizons too and of course they saw they knew this was coming and i think they were worried about there not being enough you know copies in the market so they gave us premium can well and it's also just a edh staple to begin with so they gave us premium copies in commander legends and get a mystical archive signature spellbook jace isn't that long ago there could be a commander collection blue this year or next uh that would have another version probably and so there are plenty of options out there the, the rarest ones the oldest ones are going to be the ones that do the best and keep climbing the thing about Counterspell and Modern is I fully believe it's going to get played. I just think it's going to get played in decks that already exist. Like, I, I don't see how... It's not the kind of card that creates a new archetype under itself. It's not Hogak. Yeah. It, it, and not only is that true, it's also the type of card that probably isn't getting played as a 4 up for the most part. Like, is this going to be such a good Counterspell that every other deck... You know, it edges out every other Counterspell in the deck to that extent? Or is it going to be played as a one or two of mix like most of that type of card is to give the pilot some answers and to make your opponents guess? I mean, it doesn't even seem like a card that you play a full play set of. I mean, how many cards make it in as a four of to, to control decks like that anyways? It's your lands maybe <laughs> and one or two other cards, perhaps. The other version that took off pretty hard was the was that's brand new is the Mystical Archive Japanese foils um, that come out of mostly out of CBs. They were trading hands in the $40 to $80 range, depending on where you were looking um, this weekend. People that bought full foil playsets through Pro Trader are uh, doing pretty well. <laughs> Being able to ship off Time Warps and Demonic Tutors and Counter Spells early on and basically cover themselves oh, for yeah. the entire it's, rest of the uh, set. A nice little pickup. Well, just a, I, I, a well. really nice like exit early on in the game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, worked worked out well. Uh, all right, so let's move on over to the top Magic Online movers of the week. We got Archmage's Charm again, also moving online, going from fifteen point eight tickets or so to about twenty seven ticks. That's sixty nine percent gains. I went back and checked my log on MTGO specs, and it looked like I got frustrated on that card back in January and dumped it at a twenty percent loss when I could have uh, sold it now at a four hundred percent gain. So hmm. you should definitely listen to me every week. <laughs> and it's uh yep bummer 
Kaya's Guile, at a, also at a Modern Horizons, uh, going from about 8 to 16 for a double up. Uh, it's on the back of Modern Play, mostly Esper Control and Bring to Light decks, run multiple copies. And uh, card's been useful uh, against some of the other decks that are defining the meta. And then we've got Abundant Harvest that we were talking about showing up in Legacy, going from 0.43 ticks to... Uh, 2.29 ticks for a 430% gain uh, on the back of that unexpected legacy play and people putting their little question finger up to their cheek and going, huh, is this good enough for modern if it's good enough for legacy? Yeah, that's uh, it does not always work out that way. Um, but maybe. It's not a bad card. I went back and looked at it again the one green sorcery that you basically get to choose a land or non-land and then draw the next one in your library. So it's a one mana draw a kind of a type of card. It's it's draw the thing you're missing is the part yeah. part that you need to latch yeah. onto because it's it wh- however your hand is imbalanced it helps fix that imbalance by either yeah, going to get a creature or going to get a land. It's so if you look at opt, that's one blue scry one draw card. I mean, it's essentially it's pr- it's probably better than opt, right? Because opt, there's a good chance you won't draw. Like you might get what the type of card you want, but you're not guaranteed it. Whereas this, you are going to get what you're missing. You're going to get what you want, sort of. I think Abundant Harvest might be better than Opt. Is Abundant Har- probably Harvest a sorcery? Good. They both are. No, Opt's an instant. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. I thought I looked at that and thought I read sorcery. God damn. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's relevant. Well, very relevant. That's relevant. The, the, the rest of the rules text, I think Abundant Harvest is actually better than Opt. But <laughs> that instant versus sorcery thing is a difference. So, I mean, we may as well transition right into our cards to watch. I'm going to give credit to Oko Assassin on our mod team in the ProTrader Discord for this one because he flagged it over the weekend that he had been starting to snipe off some Foil Mystical Archive Abundant Harvest. It's a rare in the Mystical Archives, not an uncommon. And that's relevant because in the collector booster boxes for Strixhaven, there's a dedicated slot for uncommon mystical archives, but the rare and mythic slot is shared with a bunch of other stuff. So they are significantly different in terms of their overall rarity. And the other thing that's worth noting here is that even though the anime fans and potentially people in Japan may prefer the, uh, the Japanese alternate art, to me, and I'm sure to Travis, that version is very uh, not awesome. <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty weeby. It's pretty, it's pretty weeby. weeby. Yeah, uh, and it also just feels weak-handed. The whole the whole art seems like feels half finished to me compared to the intricacy of a lot of the other mystical archives, both in in the global art and the uh, Japanese alternate art. There are some masterpiece level pieces of art that uh, are not matched uh, by this piece. Like, for instance, I, I pulled a foil Japanese um, Mizzix Mastery, uh, and that card looks pretty cool in person. Um, 
even if it's mostly going to see play in spell-focused EDH decks. The Oh, yeah. Like I thought um, Urza's Rage? The Japanese Urza's Rage was really good. Yeah, it's nice, too. That one was quick, which is, like, a bummer, because it's not... Not a good card. Uh, it's just, like, a playable just card, good. but, it, yeah, that was one that I ordered a one of, just... So just to have it. This looks nice. To have it. I mean, the, these cards look great. I my dad popped a bunch of product this weekend when I was visiting, and uh, I, I picked up a couple of CBs myself from uh, a vendor in town that we wanted to support, and a lot of nice cards come out of those packs. That's for sure. So abundant harvest foils available in Europe around five bucks. Now it's entirely possible that this card just occasionally shows up in Legacy, or maybe it just fades out of that format entirely. Maybe it never shows up in Modern. But so I wouldn't go super, super deep and snap off a hundred copies. But I think if you grab like a playset or two as a, as a starter and just see how it develops, five dollars is a really nice entry point on a masterpiece style card. If that if that ends up being a four of in a Legacy deck that goes on for years and years, those are not going to stay five dollars. They will be 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 plus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm inclined to like this quite a bit here uh, as well. All right. And then moving along to my first selection of the week, Haven of the Spear Dragon. I'm sure I called this maybe three, four years ago on cast. Uh, but they have already hollowed out on the news from the uh, Watsi stream last week that talked about uh, the commander decks for the D&D set this summer, including a dragon-themed deck. Mm. Uh, and they don't tend to give us foils in those decks uh, other than the commanders themselves. So Haven of the Spirit Dragon foils, uh, which is from Khan's Block, sitting around in Europe at about 7 bucks, I could easily see them being 20 to $25 cards uh, on the back of some people building some cool dragon decks this summer. Uh, I put this in every dragon deck I've ever made because it's just a way to pull the dragon out of your graveyard and put it back in your hand. So you end up wanting to do that somewhere around the mid-game. Uh, yeah, if we're getting dragon decks, then dragon cards are going to move. The lands typically do very well. Um, I know there's a couple dragon-centered lands. I'd have to go... There's what? What are the other ones? There's a few. This one has like no downside, no penalty, because it makes colorless by default. It makes any color if it, if you're spending it on, if you're spending dragon. on a dragon, and then yeah. you can pay two, sack it, and return a dragon or Ugin Planeswalker card from your graveyard to your hand. <laughs> oh my God, I don't think we're getting uh, Ugin anytime soon. Well, you could. Uh, or we're not. I'm sorry, we're not getting Ugin in the D and D set. No. Uh, but you could modernize it too. Yes, yeah, in modern has too, but it doesn't matter. You're right. This is um, essentially a free roll in virtually any dragon-based deck, uh, and if we're already looking at seven dollars for the foils there, then excuse me, I'm on board. Um, I think that's a good a good shot there. Now, since we we have seen multiple times ED, dragon themes get announced and then dragon cards jump in price. Now the counterpoint is that I I'm pretty sure I bought foils heading into. Hmm. Can't remember why, but I, I'm sure I've got a small pile of these in the in the bad specs box, where I've sold a copy here or there, but they've never really gone anywhere, and they've been sitting around for years. So keep that in mind. But the reality is that you only really need a few hundred people to bling out their dragon decks this summer, and these will post up just fine. 
Oh, here you go. Crucible of the Spirit Dragon. Yep. Uh, That's the storage land, right? Yes, it is a storage land. It is only foiled in Fate Reforged. There are 22 vendors with foils. They start at a dollar. And there's like two people with more than one copy. Sure. So that also seems fair. I think you're probably in good shape on both of those, honestly. I mean, at a dollar for those foils, they could be eight or nine bucks come the end of the summer. Uh, I'm going to start with a card that I had to double check from last year. Um, which is Commander Sphere. We did talk about this card uh, on the last spreadsheet. It was up to 222. So it was actually just under a year ago. That would have been uh, 49 episodes ago. So just shy of a year. Um, I, I picked the Judge copy uh, to go to do, I forget exactly what to what, but uh, that got hammered. The judge copy fell pretty hard, I think, because I ended up printing like three more pack foil versions of that card since I talked about the judge foil. So my uh, sincerest apologies if you picked the judge foils, uh, picked them up. I mean, honestly, the the ramp on them looks pretty strong. 26 listings. There's some copies in and around 10 to $12, but they ramp up to 20 pretty hard. Well, I, I think the buy-in price I talked about was like 20 or 25 Yeah, I, so. I mean... <laughs> Give it another year on those. They might not be too badly off. Yeah, I you know, those might turn around, but you're underwater on them now. But what I want to talk about is the Commander Legends version, because that's now the good version. There's a secret layer one. The art's fine if you want that. But every other foil version of this card is just a normal modern border card. Uh, but the Commander Legend extended art is the only one that's different. This is in 100,000 decks. It is the... Fifth most played artifact. Of all artifacts, it is the fifth in the fifth most number of decks. Um, and this is the only, like, I'm gonna call it premium copy. Premium used to mean foil. I'm 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 taking I'm reusing that word and recycling it. Premium now means uh non-standard border. I'm I'm declaring that now. It is the only premium copy of Commander Sphere, and likely to be so for at least a little while. I mean, in like in maybe a year, two years, a different one might pop up, maybe. But uh, I mean, the thing is, you can buy these extended art foils for two dollars and fifty cents right now. Uh, there are sixty-four vendors on TCG Player, so the inventory is on the deeper side for sure. Not debating that whatsoever. But like every single person who's going to go buy Commander Sphere is going to see that this card's like three bucks and pick one up. And if you're buying them at 250, granted there's 65 copies, you don't have 65 vendors, you don't have to go through all of those before you've doubled the price already. So if you're getting these at like 250, I think like late in a year-ish, late this year, this time next year, I mean these could be six, seven, eight bucks. Um, 64 vendors for a card that's in a hundred thousand list EDH decks is not a lot. And uh, I think you'll these will work out well. Better than the judge ones did. Couple of points on this. The commons and uncommon foil extended arts are the same rarity in Commander Legends. We've touched on that before, but it's worth reiterating. Um, also worth noting your relative humidity, depending on where you live, for any time you're targeting Commander Legends foils for playable decks. Because if you don't double or triple sleeve, these things are Pringles. Um, or you're going to need to go through a little bit of rigmarole to flatten them out. So if I was living mm-hmm. in like Denver or something, I'd probably just get the non-foil for my for my personal decks. Um, but I mean, Commander Legends foils still sell, so 
Yeah. I mean, I, I'm aware that the foils out of Commander Legends are a little bit wor- are, are worse. Uh, people are kind of cranky about that. I don't I don't question that, right? Like, I know that that's true. I don't think that at the end of the day it's going to matter that much. No. I mean, it hasn't. It hasn't. It hasn't yet. Yeah. Uh, and I did think about it before I picked it. I'm like, well, is like, is, a, is that really going to be a problem? Is it going to scare people off of it? But I don't think it will. Uh, my okay. my next selection. Your next one. Indatha Triome Showcase Foils. It's the only one we haven't explicitly called out on this cast. <laughs> as far as I know. Uh, you can really apply this to any or all of these, if you're, especially if you're snapping them off in Europe where they're still a little cheaper. They're posting up huge numbers. They're slipping into uh, decks outside of EDH here and there. They're good casual and cube cards. The art's amazing. Foiling's fine. Snap them off at 20 in Europe and get out in between 40 and 50, say, a year from now. You're going to be doing just fine. It's in 30. This one in particular is the Abzan one, white, green, black. It's in 38% of all Abzan EDH decks. 13,000 decks total on EDH rec and arguably should just be in all of those. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know what deck would be playing these three colors. It wouldn't run it. Uh, I, I really like the, these, I was just looking to pick some up recently on my own as, uh, as, as spec choices. I, I think you're probably going to be waiting a little while, a little ish while on them. Um, You've got six to twelve months, which is I think is pretty accurate. Uh, I, I I didn't end up picking any up mostly because I was trying to find a deal and I wasn't able to find one. But I do think that these are are very strong choices. They're pretty much bulletproof. Like they're going to be pop. They're popular in competitive formats. They're popular in EDH. Uh, their art's really cool, so they will absolutely move. Cheapest prices on TCG right now, 33 listings, 25 bucks is about what you're going to pay. Nobody has more than two copies listed, which is a surefire way up a ramp. These are potentially for future $80 to $100 cards far enough out. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. Completely agree. And I've got a whole pile of these from Japan, foil Japanese versions, and I've got some English ones too, so my bias is on my sleeve, but <laughs> that goes for just about anybody that's been paying attention because these are just so obvious. Yeah, they're so cool looking. Yep. I really like them. All right, your next selection. Um, one of the more popular commanders at the moment is Veyran, the Viren, Viren, like the Bugatti Viren, uh, which is the, is it Magecraft commander? And one of the popular cards in that deck is Pyromancer's Goggles. Uh, the originally from Magic Origins, this is a semi-popular card. It's in several thousand EDA truck decks. I just, I had it up and I lost it. So wait, no, come back. EDA truck has this weird menu. You know, like you type stuff in the search bar and you click it and it doesn't work, or you push enter and it doesn't actually search for it. I wish they would fix that. Uh, Fifty-five hundred decks for Pyromancer's goggles, which, I mean, after the hundred thousand of Commander Sphere, seems certainly paltry. Um, but this was only printed, the only foils from Magic Origins. It has one other printing, which is from this year's Commander product. Um, but other than that, Magic Origins, the only foil version of this card. And could be for several years more. Um, you know, there's play, they could always print it if they wanted to, but there's certainly no guarantee that they will. Uh, if we end up getting like some 
premium, you know, Commander Arsenal Rad or something, like maybe, but even that seems like a stretch. So, you know, you have a popular commander right now who's using the card a lot. Magecraft, I think, is is going to be semi-popular for a, a little while here, and anyone who builds a Magecraft decks in the future is likely to want Master's Goggles. It's got one very old foil, and there are only 20 vendors uh, with any copies at all. Um, and if you're buying at 12 or 13, you know, a double up to 25-ish, 30 seems seems very reasonable. Yeah, it seems solid to me. Um, I, I don't think... There, there's a bunch of different ways to be building spell stuff coming out of the Prismari um, and Lorehold contributions to Jeskai builds for spells-focused stuff uh, in EDH this summer. We're probably getting more along those lines or more inspiration from both Modern Horizons 2 and the D&D set. So, uh, yeah, it seems fine. And it's if you're going to build anything that cares about casting the instants and sorceries, you're going to play a Pyromancer's Goggles. The card is... Um, it's a, uh, for uh, those who don't remember, it's a legendary artifact for five. So it's a little pricey. It taps to add red, but if you cast a red instant or sorcery, it copies it. So it just copies every instant or sorcery you you play with it as a monorock, which is pretty tasty. Yeah, agreed. All right. Uh, next on my list, I've got Eternal Witness Old Border Foils at a Time Spiral Remastered. About 70-ish, 75 in North America. You can get them in Europe around 55 bucks. I think planning on these within a year or so going 55 to 100 is probably a pretty safe bet. Uh, it's in 80,000 EDH rec decks. It's in 30% of all green decks. It is a S-tier staple in the format. The old border foils look amazing. Um, the only counterpoint I can think of is that if I'm looking at the Ultimate Masters box topper, which is the other sexy version of this card, it's down to 28 results a few years after it's printing, and the lowest price is $55 or so. Now, the ramp's pretty steep, and those are eventually going to be over 100 bucks as well. But it's not like they are currently 150 and we're obviously going to chase and match. Uh, I like Eternal Witness a lot. It's obscenely popular, 80,000. That's no joke. Uh, very popular card. Hard, hard for me to... Really, all the old border foils are very tempting. Just all of them. I'm on all of them with how rare they have turned out to be and that I they seem so popular. I do like these. I just feel like if they're going to keep giving us old border foils, like we know we're getting more with Modern Horizons 2, and it's creating a constant focus on the versions of the, the super staples that can be had in those borders. Just keeps putting eyeballs on these versions over and over again and wizards is presenting them as though they are the ultimate version for some segment of the market and so they will be received as such i guess the only catch here is the old border foil very cool there's also the uma extended art that you can get the box hopper which is also right at the same price right about 55 bucks so like you kind of have options you want the extended art foil or the old border foil I want the old border foil because I'm cool, but <laughs> other people will pick different versions. 
The, the extended art is tempting. So there is an alternate premium edition. There's also the secret layer one, yep. but like whatever. The, the secret um, layer one, you either love that tattoo flavored art or you don't. Yeah. Um, it also doesn't come in a foil. Mm-hmm. Oh, they didn't do those in foil. I, I cannot keep those straight at all. Yeah, I, I mean, these are, are so cool. I like them quite a bit. I'm I'm your inventory levels are I mean there's like twenty yeah, there's only twenty vendors on TCG and like one guy has more than a play set. It's MTG Mint card. Has four. Yeah. I mean really you only have to sell like fifteen of these, maybe. Not even ten of these, and you're already at like eighty or ninety dollars. Yeah, these are pretty good. Let's put it this way: the game, the gaming company, who's the, the biggest mass cracker on TCG these days, cannot crack a whole bunch of these and dump them in the market and set up a wall because it takes uh, mucho boxes to find one of these, and those boxes are very pricey and sold out at distribution. Now, I I know I'm sure we've talked about this before, but we're sitting here, so I'll ask you again. Do you have an opinion on foreign old border stuff? Are we talking random old border or are we talking about, say, German foil Time Spiral Remastered EWIT? Well, the Time Spiral, just the Time Spiral Remastered old border foils. Well, I, like I cracked Russian boxes with zero fear in my heart, so let's put it that way. I mean, I, I yeah, I mean, the Russian stuff I know is is wild like there's like you know there's three four copies of those in the world you know for some of them so it's like that's fine you just have to find the guy who wants to buy it but like german uh what are the other languages but japanese for sure german is is you know a a distant third to those but i did order a case of german time spiral that i plan to crack at least some of well, okay, so you've got you you you're buying these at fifty five for the U S versions. Would you pay that for a German one? Yeah, but I wouldn't go as deep. The th- the thing about foreign is when people say that it doesn't sell, it's not that it doesn't sell; it, it sells more slowly. But you may be able to get a premium. How so? Do, so I usually I plan around that by just having less of it in inventory. So for would you pay fifty five for a Japanese? Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. In fact, I did. I I have like. 5,000 worth of Japanese OBFs that I scooped in Japan over the last two months that are en route to me. It's a chunk of change. So, yeah, I'm confident in those. Because I see foreign old border foils pop up here and there, sometimes at very competitive prices to English, and I'm like, sometimes I sometimes I buy them, sometimes I don't, and it's I was just curious what your sensation on that was. I, I just like to be, I like to be more shallow. So, for instance, like I yeah. sold a Russian pre-release Elvish Reclaimer a couple of weeks ago for fifty bucks or something that I was in on at twelve. I didn't go out of my way to buy every copy I could find. I was just putting together another cart at one point on eBay or Card Market, and if I, I usually just you know take a couple boxes to check what the Russian stock looks like, and if something looks underpriced versus the mid to long term, I'll snap it off. But I don't go out of my way to try to get get super deep on that stuff. No. Okay. Uh, I'm going to wrap up my picks here with uh, one a little off, slightly off the beaten path. Uh, Ralph Storm Conduit, the secret layer storm, secret layer stained glass copy. Um, 
Ralph Storm Conduit is the four mana planeswalker that whenever you uh, magecraft, you ping an opponent or planeswalker. Um, he's got a scry on him, and also he's got a fork that you can use immediately. So you could get double forks out of him or uh, just use him to ping for a while or ping a bunch and then occasionally fork. You've got some good choices there. It's an 11,000 EDH Trek decks, which is better than I realized. 12,000, 12, sorry, 12,000 EDH Trek decks. More than I guessed, I would have guessed. Only about 35 vendors, uh, 32 vendors on TCG. So, you know, medium-ish, medium-ish supply. Um, nobody seems to have a huge amount of them. A couple threes and fours. Like one guy has 11, I guess, but he wants 10 bucks for them. Um, but at the cheap end of these, you can get them at $4. So you can buy the stained glass Rawls for $4. Uh, you have, again, Viren, who's popular right now, will drive a little bit of demand on these. Magecraft in general, they'll still keep popping up. Um, I don't know when we would see these stained glass planeswalkers come back. Uh, and at four bucks a piece for these, like eight, nine, ten bucks, all good, all reasonable, all good prices, and those represent a very solid double up. And even though there's 35 vendors for RAL, it's only about 20 of them before the prices are up to ten dollars. So I think you'll be happy with these as well. I know I bought some RALs recently because he combos with uh, Chain of Smog and just seemed generally good for Prismari. He does that does do that, doesn't he? And yeah, I bought the Japanese alternate art copies from Tales of Adventure actually on TCG, April twenty eighth. Yeah. Grabbed uh, four of the alt art foils at twenty three apiece. <laughs> that sounds decent. I don't remember what the prices were on those. So those are currently sitting at currently sitting at there are five copies left in the mid 40s and then they go straight to 100 <laughs> what did you pay 20 yeah uh because that that just, that just seems silly first of all there are foil alternate art war walkers and secondly they had specific relevance to what was being released uh, right yeah it looks like i got eight copies total across three vendors so the, the stained glass is the next logical progression there. And how deep is the inventory right now? Uh, 35 vendors, but only about 20 vendors below 10 bucks. Yeah, and with all the lightning, the stained glass looks especially cool. I have one of these in hand, and them being like under $4 is just <laughs> pretty silly given the level of play the card sees. Yeah, they're... Um... Reasonably popular in EDH, and I don't remember us talking about them in competitive formats often, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if he sneaks in there every now and then. So, I mean, this is actually could actually be a finisher in certain builds. Yeah, we haven't seen it yet. I don't know if he um, So it won't put any money down on that. The other thing to keep in mind is that we heard that the latest version of Secret Layers that are landing had jumps, fancy jumpstart lands, like foil jumpstart lands, but then somebody was saying... They had heard somewhere that some of them were showing up with the foil stained glass walkers as the bonus instead. So if that dumps a bunch mm -hmm. more rows into the pipeline, that would be something to flag. And I don't have perfect information on that yet. So folks will want to follow up on their own time. Yeah, I I don't know either about that at the moment. I mean, even if they did, like it probably wouldn't be that many. Well, right, like you, it depends how they did it. If it if it's a pile of twenty or thirty walkers distributed across twenty thousand orders, and 
they did they only did that for as many as were necessary to get rid of them out of the warehouse and then the rest of them got jumpstart foil lands uh a that inconsistency is going to piss some people off and b because everybody wants a japanese foil i uh, sorry uh a foil jumpstart uh phyrexian swamp with the obliterator walking across the background um so getting a rel instead will not not be optimal for most people uh hmm. but if it was say all rels in one of the in one of the uh package send outs then that would be a problem uh yeah i agree i i i mean it wouldn't be great for you i i would expect it's just a matter of trying to clean out the warehouse a little bit but i mean i don't i obviously don't know one way or the other all right so we're going to bookend our cards to watch with uh, another moderator selection this time from nihilus but the uh the eye is a one mind blown <laughs> necessary information on the cast nihilus is a super good guy uh long time mod in the discord keeps things on the straight and even uh scourge of the throne foils out of mystery booster retail edition 11 to 28 is his call on the back of this dragon edh focus that the DD set's going to bring this summer the thing that makes this an especially cute pick is that they just announced that mystery booster uh boxes are going to be redistributed to lgs's around north america and i'm not sure if it's global but certainly at least north america um in short order and there was they had a web page up at one point with the announcement that it was going to be like dozens of boxes per store but then they took the page down so i'm not sure if they were walking that back or they didn't want people to know how much was getting put out there uh the most notable factoid there is that it's not the retail edition that they're sending out it's the convention edition so it doesn't impact the foils that were in the retail edition because they won't be present there so the scourge of the throne foils are safe it's the playtest cards that are facing some fresh supply until we know otherwise so Hmm. scourge of the throne foils relatively steep ramp not super deep inventory 11 to 25 or 30 seems very likely it's a great dragon that you're probably going to run if you're building a big big old dragon deck Scourge of Throne is very good, and this was a this was a hot tech pick of mine many moons ago. Uh, boy, when was that? I couldn't even begin to tell you when that was. But regardless, uh, yeah, dragons are coming back. This seems like a good pick, and those old foil, the original foils are they're not cheap, right? They're like 40 or 50 bucks or something. And we may as well tra- use this a uh, conspiracy as a... $75 for her, the conspiracy foils. So it's not like you're bumping up against that ceiling anytime soon. Right. Now, this is all predicated on at minimum Tiamat, because Tiamat is a big deal, is like the queen of the dragons in D&D lore. There's basically a king of the dragons that's a good guy, Bahamut, and Tiamat, who's uh, a bee with seven heads. And borderless, B is in borderless. Tiamat is seven and seven, 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 two Wooberg flying legendary creature dragon god. Notable for cards that affect gods. Uh, when Tiamat enters the battlefield, if you cast it, search your library for up to five dragon cards not named Tiamat that each have f- different names, reveal them, put them into your hand, then shuffle. 
Scourge of the Throne is pretty solid to be pulling up out of that those five dragons. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's got a very reasonable casting cost. It's at six, which puts it below the curve of some of the other ones. And it gives you an extra combat phase, which is... Seven. Uh, Seven. Scourge of the Throne? Oh, no, Scourge of the Throne. Sorry, I thought you were talking about Tiamat. No, Go ahead. Scourge of the Throne, six, yeah. So it, it's it's easier to come down a turn or two ahead of some of the other dragons. Um, but in the extra combat phase, could be a very big deal. Um I like the card quite a bit. What's how, how many? Uh, what's the percentage in that on EDH? So, so here's the thing. I don't think it's entirely possible that the other that the Dragon Commander deck we're getting is not headlined by Tiamat because Tiamat's in the main set and they already revealed her. It's it could be headlined by Bahamut, the uh, good king of the dragons. In which mm. case you'd have a whole nother presumably a very interesting other five color commander because he also has multiple heads hmm a lot of that going on over there huh yeah lots of multi-headed dragon gods in D. well i think the scourge of the throne is a powerful card i picked it in the past many days ago and it liked it worked out well for me and this sneaky little foil hanging out here does seem quite tempting, especially at 11 bucks when the conspiracy foils are 75 Yep. All right, so we can transition over to talking about the rest of the reveals from the wizard stream last week. Uh, they did a good deal of revealing on the Modern Horizons 2 front as well as for the D&D set, and we can get into some of the details that they revealed uh, right now. Uh, probably the biggest point for most in the MTG finance world was the resolution of our theory crafting from earlier this winter and spring where we were talking about, well, we, we know we're getting enemy fetches in that set. We know that they're planning on there being a premium price point for the collector booster boxes. What are they going to do? Are they going to do old border foil fetches? Are they going to do foil extended art? Turns out they're going to do both. They're going to do both. And they showed them both off on stream. So we're getting old art, foil extended art fetches of Arid Mesa, Marsh Flats, Mr. Reinforest, Scalding Turn, and Burning Catacombs. And then they're giving us old border foil versions of the same thing. Uh, yep, they're giving you quite a bit, quite a bit there on those on those fetches. Uh Good luck buying the other half of these. <laughs> That's what I have to say. Fo- foil, old border, scalding turn. A year out. What do you put the price at? I don't know. What does a pack foil scalding turn cost today? Let me take a look. Let well, me pro- probably more look. relevant to look at what what does a foil old border hollow uh uh um diluted delta go for yeah i don't not exactly the same there given that the difference in supply is probably going to be a decimal point uh well well, but is it because the keep in mind onslaught was a long time ago so in terms of copies available in market definitely a decimal decimal point if not two but in terms of printed copies on on this that was a standard set and they were just rares now they, yeah. it was at the old foil drop rate, so yeah. part part of this depends on what is the 
what does the drop rate look like in the normal boxes, like regular and set booster boxes, for Modern Horizons 2? If it's using a new foil drop rate, and so foil rares are significantly more common than they used to be, that certainly has an impact. But I, I suspect that there is a slot that is specific to the... Uh, like, a, a slot configuration could be something like foil rares or mythics, full art rare or mythic, old border rare or mythic, foil full art or old border rare or mythic. In which case, it's kind of like in the Strixhaven Mystical Archives fourth slot where you had borderless dragon, foil dragons, uh, borderless pla foil planeswalkers, Japanese Mystical Archives, and Global Mystical Archives all sharing the same slot. And so you only really found one of the Japanese Foil Mystical Archives in that slot like 48% of the time or something like that. And then inside that, you had to find the specific card you're looking for. Which means maybe you're getting one or two old border fetches every couple boxes. Obviously, they could do this in such a way that the inventory ends up a lot tighter than you might expect. But Onslaught was a long time ago. And I guess the difference in printed copies versus market copies feels inconsequential. Like, sure, there may be more copies, like a reasonable amount of original foil polluted deltas out there. But if they're all being held by people who are going to die with their collections, then that doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and to be honest, I don't think that comparing Onslaught, Onslaught original foil fetches to these is the correct comparison. But you do need to compare them to other recent mega premiums from the last year. So things like Jeweled Lotus holding steady in the like five to $700 range, the uh, Phyrexian... Um, uh, language version of Boron Clex that pumped up to like 350 or 400 and fell back towards 200. You have to look at the old border foils out of Time Spiral, like Thoughtseize. Um, and then you have to consider that the Japanese have already priced variants of the Time Warp over $2,000 US from Mystical Archives. What are they going to price a... What is Haruyuya's price going to be on a Japanese foil Scalding Tarn Old Porter? <laughs> well, so it, it right now... It could easily be $3,000 US. If you want a pack foil Scalding Tarn from Modern Masters, you're going to pay about 80 bucks. If you want the new... Um, uh, the new expedition from... Zendikar Rising, you'll pay about eighty to not you'll pay like ninety. The original Zendikar expedition is like two thirty. So if we're talking English foil old border, I mean it. It really depends on how they go about the distribution, but you know I would probably ballpark two fifty to three hundred. Oh, I think you're way off on I, English foils again, but it depends. It depends on what the release pattern looks like. Well, but we know we know it's going to be in some kind of shared slot in the CBs, so we can look at how the basically how many of the rare and mythic 
uh, <sighs> Japanese mystical archives came out of the CBs and compare. And you've also got to consider that there's a much higher cost basis. Like these, these the Modern Horizons two CBs went up on Amazon today around three fifty one, I believe it was. But most places have them somewhere between three eighty or three three eighty all the way up to five hundred, depending on which retailer you're looking at. Uh, right, the, so okay, well, how, CB, how much so. were how much were Strixhaven CBs? Like two hundred, but they spiked to two forty to two eighty, depending on who was selling them. We were so getting we're we were looking... getting them on group buy, in group buys between two hundred and two twenty. So they're like 50%. The Modern Horizons 2 ones are about 50% more than Strixhaven Collector's Boosters were. Um, I mean, the prices on that stuff, the Mystical Archives like kind of cratered compared to what they were during pre-order season on a lot of stuff. No, but Except no, for like the Demonic No, and No, no that's not true. I don't think you've been tracking the pricing. The You've got the narrative all wrong I, there. The, the pre-order I, pricing like three weeks before the set in some cases yes but the key cards no the uh, the demonic tutor was available opening weekend for like 200 now it's like five yeah the, the, the time tutor, the, the time, time warps warp. even if they're not the special version are three to four hundred dollars yeah I, I i did say with the exception of those cards like no but this but that goes down the chain ephemerates memory lapses faithless lootings grape shots like uh inquisition of codes like the, the list goes on like a lot of those cards have you know, compared to whatever silly price was posted by three vendors before the rest of TCG was allowed to price, yes, prices came down. But compared to real prices on opening weekend, prices a lot of prices have gone up and fast. So the and I think like Japanese buy list on a foil set that we bought for nine ninety nine is like sixteen to seventeen hundred, and that's buy list within a month it, of release. You, you can. You can look at the Japanese foil mystical archives, and the prices are pretty reasonable across the board, except at the very top end. Right? Like, I mean... There's a lot of bad cards in there, though. Like, Infuriate is not going to... is never going to be worth any money. No, it's God, not. God's I, God's willing to find strike, etc. This is a whole different story. We're talking about S tier global super staples. So here's what I think is going to happen: Scalding Tarn is going to be posted on TCG somewhere between a thousand and fifteen hundred. During opening weekend, copies might drop down into the four fifty to seven hundred dollar range, and then they are slowly but surely going to climb because. <laughs> Once you own them, you probably don't sell them. Like, so I, I, if I had to choose one thing for people to not sell immediately when they crack it, unless the price is just obscene and they need the money, it would be this kind of thing. Because these old border fetches, they're not going to do this again anytime soon. <laughs> well, except that that's what we said. What sometimes probably Matt. Well, I shouldn't say that. No, that no, no. I, 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 I don't mean they're, they're not going to do more old border stuff. They will, but they're not going to do the same cards over and over again. I'm trying to find. They they have such a deep pool to work with on this stuff. They don't have to. They can go do old border battle bond lands. They can do old border shocks next. They got tons of ammunition for that for years. I'm trying to find. I 
I can't I can't get the data I want quickly. Uh, so you were saying you think that the Scalding Tarns are going to be $800. And pushing. Keep, keep in mind, the foil extended... English foil. The foil extended arts could easily be in the $150 to $400 range. Because the old border foils are going to steal thunder from them. They would have been a big deal on their own. Because it's the first time... It, it's What's so funny here is that the fetches are getting two treatment, two premium treatments that they've never had before all at once. And one of the two is going to be necessarily less impressive. Yeah. Kind of uh, eating your own lunch on that one. They could, they could have spread it out. I'm not, I'm not sure they needed to do both here. That's odd to me. But the... Consequently, I suspect the slot, the slot is shared, which cuts the yield, like the number of copies in the market by half. Had they only done one or the other, there'd be twice as much of, of the product is what I'm getting at. So given that there, there is half as much of each as there otherwise would have been, and even accounting for the fact that Modern Horizons CBs will be printed to the greatest extent Wizards feels they can pull off. That's true. But what a lot of people on social media that I've seen nakedly commenting on, on the print runs for MH2 almost certainly have wrong is that they can't go that deep on the highest priced product in the product line. Like Modern Horizons 2 set booster boxes and regular booster boxes are probably going to be very easy to come by in six months. Because we saw that with Modern Horizons 1 and they'll probably print this more or less like a standard set at that level. But when they add, when they go for a $400 price point on the CBs, that narrows the market considerably. There's a lot of Magic players that just can't justify it, can't afford it, or think it will be grossed out by it and will go out of their way to avoid it and just buy the singles they need. We've also never seen CBs get a second wave. So if the, if the wave dries up on the $400 CBs. Don't expect to get an airdrop of CBs in six months. You're just going to get more set and regular booster boxes like they did with Commander Legends. I, I, I'm i not seeing... Mm-hmm. And, 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 the, and the drop rate... Like, if you've opened a set booster box for, for Strixhaven versus a collector booster box, you will see very quickly why it matters which of those two things gets a reprint. Because it is way harder to pull a foil, rare, or mythic mystical archive that you're looking for out of a out of a set booster box than it is out of a CB. There's just way less chances. So if you have a bunch of set and regular booster boxes floating around for a year, that matters on the regular copies and the pack foils for sure. Certainly has an impact on the rares, uncommons, and commons from the set. But it's not going to matter for the premium versions that mostly come out of the CBs. All that matters there is to what degree the CBs are available. And the funny thing is, there's a world where vendors are not taking on much of the Collector Booster inventory or haven't pre-ordered that much. And that will impact the amount of inventory that's floating in the market. If a lot of vendors avoid it because they're scared to take it on because they don't think their market will support it, then that means even less of it gets cracked. And gaming company, for sure, is going to have some major walls up on opening weekend on some of this stuff. And maybe their scalding turns will set the floor until they dry up. But you're going to see that it 
as you as with the time spiral old border foils you don't see any gaming company walls because they're just that rare it takes a lot of boxes to find them yeah i mean that's even at the volumes they're cracking they might crack like a thousand boxes or something that might put 40 or 50 old border fetches into the market Maybe it's a hundred. Maybe it's one hundred fifty. We have to see the final numbers. But it's it's not good. That it's not going to be. It's not going to be. I don't think it's going to be as good as. You know, three per box or something. It's not going to be like Zendikar Rising, where you got two uh, expeditions, gratis. As the box toppers, and then you got you got two to three more foil expeditions inside the CB. I think it's going to be significantly lower than that. Probably closer to one of the foil extended art versions, one of the uh, foil old borders. Because I don't think they're in dedicated slots. I think they're sharing those slots with the other things at their rarity that are in the same uh, reprint scenario. So did they... Did they, uh, they didn't release the pack distribution for Modern Horizons 2, right? You mean the, the slot the formula? The, the slot information? Yeah, they didn't give us that. No, they didn't Correct. give it to us, but we have some yeah. theory crafting around right. it that we think one of the slots is foil, rare, or mythic. One of the slots is full art, rare, or mythic. One of the slots is old border, rare, or mythic. Not all, none, and the second and third slots not foils. And then the fourth slot is something like foil, full art, or old border, rare, or mythic. Hmm. Those sound reasonable. I was going to say there's probably a dedicated slot to old border foils. Or, or I should say a dedicated slot to old borders. Yeah, I would. I would if, say probably a dedicated simil- slot to old borders that may come in foil, and then a separate slot that's dedicated to foils that may be t- old border. If that makes sense. Well, if we look in the mystical archive, it CBs like I was just cracking one yesterday. There, there is a slot for etched, dedicated, but then the foil, uh, borderless slash mystical archive treatments were Japanese or English was all mashed into one slot. And I suspect they're going to do that again here because I don't think they want a ton of old border foil scalding turns. They want that to be a thousand dollar card. That's part of the hype. That's how you sell $400 boxes is that those cards retain value. Well, yeah, I mean, at 400 bucks a pop, that is, I mean, that definitely starts to, to, to paint a different story. Like, if you're paying $400 for collector's boosters, you need to be able to draw, open something pretty wild. And, you know, a two $300 Pluto Delta is not really quite tasty enough. I mean, it's pretty mm-hmm. tasty. I mean, especially if the, one of the other slots is a foil extended art Renin 7. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, generally, like, I feel like there's supposed to be a card... You should be able to open a card in your product that more than covers the cost of the box. And if your box was $400, ideally there's going to be a card in there that costs at least that much. So I could see the polluted Delta sitting around that price, four to $500 at some point. Well, I would argue that product formulation is a little different than that. It's not that you're going to get a $400 card. It's that your <clears throat> total box value is going to be somewhere around 300 if you paid for. 
Your wait, say that your your total box value is what? Your EV in pre-order season might be six or seven hundred for those boxes, maybe even eight hundred or nine hundred, with the re- really crazy prices where they're just daring people to pay them. Then opening weekend, you would expect the EV to drop down into the if if the average box price is four hundred, EV would be somewhere between three hundred and three twenty or something like that. And if you're cracking for that first month. You're on average going to bleed value, but some of your boxes are going to be anywhere from five hundred to fifteen hundred dollars worth of value. <clears throat> maybe maybe to, two like one out of five boxes will be like that. I would have to see go back and look um, how many of these collector boosters and premium products had a card that uh, at release or you know at some. At over a reasonable period of time, have a card that's worth the price of the box. Okay, I how so for because that was a thing for because that, that was a pretty common tri- uh, behavior for a long time, and I wonder if that's one of their metrics that they use in house. I don't think so, because they, they I think they have trouble predicting some some of the pricing on stuff that's not an old border fetch. Um. But I think that their commitment to printing fancy fetch lands was the justification for trying to achieve this new price point for the CBs, and that and that it makes sense. Like I like I'm sure Prof. I haven't watched anything of Prof's in a while, but I'm sure that his review of MH2 CBs will be ah, this is terrible. It's a rip off. It's too expensive. Just buy the singles. Okay, but do please make sure you buy the singles at the right time. <laughs> and I'm actually less like the more expensive they make it, as long as the OBF fetches are appropriately rare, doesn't scare me at all. You want to charge four, five, six hundred dollars for these boxes? That just makes it harder for those to be hundred dollar cards. Well, yeah, I mean now you're getting into the ballpark of the, you know, when they did that uh, survey about the secret layer stuff. And it was like, Oh, you, will you put, would you pay $300 a year for the right to buy a premium, premium secret layer? And like, I kind of scoffed at it at first, but it, you know, it was like, okay, but this is for vendors. Like this is for people who will pay that and it will be worth it for the people who are going to make that a business model. All right, so let's get let's get into some of the other stuff we learned about MH2 here. We know that the old border foil treatment is not being reserved only for reprints or cards that are new to modern but had been printed before because they showed us that it was used on Diamond Lion. And by the way, super cute concept, but what how did they mess up the name? Obviously it should have been Diamond's Eye Lion instead of Lion's Eye Diamond. Not just, uh, not just diamond lion. Well, I should. I, I you said it should be diamonds eye. Diamond eye lion. Yeah, yeah, I would agree that that's probably what that was supposed to be. I don't get how they messed that up. Like it's just like <laughs> anyway. So this is a two-two for two artifact creature cat. Tap it, discard your hand, sack diamond lion, add three mana of any one color. Activate only as an instant. So it's basically a lion's eye diamond on legs that you have to wait a turn to use. Activate only as an instant? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that that's mean? weird language. <laughs> Activate only as an instant. 
I guess does that mean if you're if you're under like a Teferi three that you can't activate it? I'm really curious what that means. I'm not sure where that line came from. I mean, that's gotta play into the wording of Lion's Eye Diamond, which is so, which is particularly odd itself. People are gonna listen to this and be yelling at their podcast. So, I mean, here's the thing: activate this only any time you could cast an instant. That's on Lion's Eye Diamond, which is any time, essentially. Anytime you could cast an instant, it's it's hard for me to understand how that's relevant in the rules text, but that's clearly what it's supposed to be mimicking. I'm sure Alexis or one of the judges in the Discord could explain it to us quickly. The yeah. um, the bottom line here is people are going to try to break this, but I think it's probably a lot easier to do so in Vintage and Legacy than it is in Modern. Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this isn't terrible because if you you pay two on turn two, you you play this out. And if they don't answer it on turn three, you uh, you crack it, you pitch your hand, and then you use the three mana to play whatever it is that you just discarded into your graveyard. Oh, you know why this is activate only as an instant? Isn't that because it prevents you from using it as a, a mana ability? That's why. Mana abilities are different because that was the trick. Might still be the trick. Was the trick with Lion's Eye Diamond <laughs> a tour through Travis's mind? No, but that was the thing: is you could put a card in from a, you could take a card from your hand, put it on the stack, and because of the way the timing is written, you could either pay the cost for a card before you played it. Or you could play the card and then pay the cost. So if you played the card and then in you're required to pay the cost, you could sacrifice Lion's Eye Diamond as a mana ability to pay for the cost of the card, which required sacrifice, discarding your hand, but you had already played the card, so you didn't discard it. That's why it was weird. And that's why Diamond Lion says activate only as an instant. You can't use it as a mana ability, essentially. Okay. That's why it says that. Fair cracked enough. it cracked it i think it's i think it's a, i think it's amusing and like there might be like a what's what's that card uh on burial rights type stuff out there that could play with it right where you just pitch your hand and uh you know you, you it gets your gristle brand ion on burial rights into the graveyard at the same time and then you can fire it off right away but all this is happening on turn three where you could kind of be doing that anyways so like i don't know there might be something novel with it that uh, that we're overlooking the, the real brewers will have to get to it but i agree that it's it's going to be a lot harder to make work than some of these other cards speaking of cards that are much easier to make work how about urza's saga no not not the set they decided to be cute and name a card urza saga but no they didn't stop there they also made it an enchantment land subtype urza saga so it's called urza saga its subtype is urza saga but it's not from urza saga i uh, i will admit uh to have genuinely laughed out loud and smiled when i saw this card so kudos to wizards for doing some for getting me to do that when I have not done that for a magic card in years. 
They use this card to show off that there is a sketch version of some cards where it is basically just what it sounds like. It's the artist's original sketch of the art as opposed to a fully realized version, and presumably those will be more harder to pull out of packs and therefore will end up being the ones that end up on this cast as selections. Uh, and Ursa Saga is going to be on that list at some point. It's only a rare, but be very surprised if the foil sketch doesn't end up on this cast within 18 months because this saga works as follows. On turn, turn one, it gains the ability to just tap for colorless mana. So it's colorless land on turn one. Turn two, you can start tapping it and paying two to create a zero zero colorless construct artifact creature token with this creature gets plus one plus one for each artifact you control. So the Urza ability from his MH1 card. And then on the third turn, you search your library for an artifact card with mana cost zero or one, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle. In EDH, that pulls up your Soul Ring, your Mana Vault, your Mana Crypt, your Sensei's Divining Top, etc., etc., etc. Yeah, this is uh, this is a pretty sick card. I mean, in like modern, you just play this as your first land, and it's immediately making mana for you. And then the second ability is fine. Like you're probably not doing too much with it, but it's there. But you do have to sacrifice it after turn three. Mm -hmm. This is a, a fascinating card, but probably pretty potent. Tutoring for any artifact and putting it in the play for free. Definitely pretty powerful. And EDH, as you mentioned, with any sort of um, land recursion that's built into the deck. Well, the num number of decks that can recurse lands in EDH with Crucible of Worlds being all over the place as a major staple. Uh, right. This is this is crazy. I, yeah, I, I so I, I saw the sketch versions of these. I wasn't blown away with it, honestly. Like, it was fine. I wasn't taken aback. Uh, but maybe they'll end up, some of them will end up being pretty cool or just popular by virtue of being rare kind of depends on how interesting and and flashy the sketch is because in this case the fully realized version is going to pop in foil a lot better yeah do, let's see are these up on it is on scryfall yeah i mean if you look at the sketch version i'm <clears throat> admittedly it's not good i think the card is very clever i think the sketch version is bland now if they get very cute and they etch a sketch that might be a different story. Hmm. Uh, moving right along, the buy a box promo is Sanctum Prelate. In a, it's new art and it's old border foil. And apparently you can't get it in the packs. Now, I don't know if that means you definitely can't get it in the collector booster packs as well. Because often what we see with buy a boxes like Kenrith is that the non-foil version ended up in, in the uh, collector booster packs. Uh, but if you want the foil old border saying to prelate, you need to get a pre-order in with your local LGS, as far as I understand it. Hmm. Yeah, this is nifty. I mean, this this could actually make the normal versions go up if you can't get this normally, but it's now legal in Commander or legal in Modern. Like, the majority of playable copies of this card will come from Conspiracy Two. Yeah. Like, that's got to be true, right? Sounds right. I would think, probably. So that is worth keeping an eye out for, although those prices are already pretty nutty. So they also showed us a card called Brainstone, a uncommon 
uh, which is a play on Brainstorm. It looks like we're getting lots of tongue-in-cheek in this set. Uh, mm. Old Border Foil available for this as well. It's one casting cost for an artifact, which says two, sack it, draw three cards, and put two cards from your hand on top of your library in any order. So it's a three-mana Brainstorm in Colorless. I wonder if we're going to... Uh, sorry, I wonder if we're going to end up with $80 Sanctum Prelates. Just any version. Because they are... $35 TCG lower right now. The only other paper, the, the only paper product this exists in other than Modern Horizons is Second Conspiracy, which did not see a lot of copy, a lot, a lot of printings. 33 bucks is the cheapest copy right now. And it scrolls up to 40 right away. And like buy boxes will introduce copies, but not that many. And what if you need three or four of these? Well, here's the thing. Only, there's probably only one deck that wants this. Mm, well, Variants of humans and/or taxes builds in modern may want this. Unclear yeah. how many copies they want. Um, also, it matters whether there is a non-foil version of this in the CBs. But yeah, True. I mean, this—it's a card worth watching because if if the supply is more constrained than one might think, and a lot of them get absorbed into collections, could be interesting. Yeah, I, I think the question will be whether or not these are available in the collector boosters. Um, and non-foil but if they're not like yeah i mean even if they are like how many does that really produce it's interesting so yeah um, they also showed off all the art for the various packaging and we did see the dak and black blade on on the draft booster box the set booster box features squirrels and then the collector booster box features a very odd art treatment that there wasn't any matching explanation for anywhere else and it looks like Gengatha, but like Jengatha, the wellspring from Ikoria, but I can't remember if Jengatha had those weird eyes on the underside of his throat or not. Um, so I'm not sure exactly what we're looking at there. Uh, look forward to learning more as they do more reveals. Jengatha, how do you? Oh, with what's the first letter in that? J. It's one of the the uh, companions. What's the second letter in that? E. J E. You're saying J E N? Oh, sorry. Gigantha. There we go. Uh, who is? Oh, there we go. Finally got there. Yeah. Okay. Who is an elemental <laughs> elk? Five five. No card in your starting deck has more than one of the same mana symbol in its mana cost, and then it taps for Wooburg. This mana can can't be spent to pay generic mana costs. I don't think I saw, I don't think I caught the artwork, or if I did, I glossed over it. I didn't catch that. Congratulations on your eBay sale. Uh, I, I so yeah, it, this is the art right here. I'll send it to you. I mean, it, it's not a re really big deal. It's just a, it's not. I don't really care who the character is. It's more just odd that that art style doesn't really line up with anything else in the set. Oh yeah, I see what you're saying. That's a very. Um very Ikoria comic book style artwork. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's nifty looking. I mean, that's distinct. That doesn't seem like it would be only box artwork because that's so particular. It's weird. All right, so anyway, moving. that was pretty much most of what we learned about Modern Horizons 2. Uh, also worth noting, I guess most of the theory, the rumors that had been floating around were all proved true um, that had been floating around since last fall. Uh, <laughs> the... 
I had this crazy thought. What if they put old border fetches in Modern Horizons 2, Saffron says, four days before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. <gasps> yeah. So they also showed us a bunch of details about Dungeons & Dragons Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. Uh, after they showed off the Modern Horizons 2 stuff, they showed that there are standard, extended, and promo versions of a card called Vorpal Sword, which is a one black for a, a equipment artifact, two black to equip. Equipped creature gets plus two and has death touch. Uh, five triple black until end of turn, Vorpal Sword gains. Whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, that player loses the game. So I'm sure you'll see a little smattering of that here and there in EDH. Yeah, that's a nifty card. It's um, it's good that it's not in uh, white or red because then it would just slot into all those equipment decks so easily and people would just be slamming this onto creatures at instant speed with hexproof and just making you lose the game. <laughs> uh, they also showed off that they were, they showed off a, um, beholder card in black they showed the art for it and they showed that there was a classic rule book variant which is supposed to harken back to the art in the original dungeons and dragons tomes from the late 70s and early 80s uh, so i think the D fans will be pretty into that yeah i caught that and it, it didn't do a lot for me uh, but i respected that it probably mattered a lot more to people who looked at those old documents yep um but it does raise the question if those are from the original if those are from the 70s like how many how many people is that really going to work for there's a, there's a lot of 50 like 40 to 60 year old dudes playing D for sure yeah yeah i just but you know you compare it to when you think about the the grand market of people buying magic cards how many of them are familiar with that like can't be that many it's really a nod to the D and D people. They're trying to like slide in under the door to buy some cards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say that the D and D set has one of the most amusingly named cards in Magic's history, which is Portable Hole. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I just it's just fun to say Portable Hole. Yeah, it's almost I've, it's never come up in any campaign I was involved in, so I was actually surprised it existed. I wonder if BSB has made a joke about it yet. They must have. They recorded since these were spoiled. Huh. They record tonight, don't they? Don't they record the same night yeah, as Yeah, they do. Yeah, so I'm sure Jason will be making lots of portable hole jokes tonight. It actually looked like a serviceable card, potentially, for modern, depending on what meta you're facing. Yeah, it's actually a legit card, but it's a one-mana artifact when it enters the battlefield. Exile, a permanent opponent controls mana value two or less. That can be a Ren and Six. Until... Yeah, I mean, it hits Run and Six, it hits Death Shadow, it hits Delver. all of the, all, yeah, Delver and all of the Niv Magus yeah, all, elemental all, type all creatures. Yeah, all the Jeskai Pro-esque creatures. Except yeah, Storm Ring actually, Entity. Like, a seriously legitimate card. Like, that could be very competitive in Pioneer and Modern. And it just doesn't, it doesn't have a downside. That is, it, um, the downside is that if they destroy it, you, they get it back. Sure, but it doesn't have, yeah, but it's so, so rare that they're gonna have, that they're gonna sideboard to be able to destroy it. The, and very unlikely they have something in their deck that's going to handle it. Um, yeah, the down, the downside is almost that it's an artifact, so it will suffer from more incidental hate than it would if it were an enchantment. Yeah, I mean, Path gives them a land immediately, which in, in modern where people are on, can be tight on their their uh, um, their curve out. I'm curious whether Portable Hole will see some play in, in a deck here or there. Um, it's actually like really legit in Legacy because every permanent is under two or less. <laughs> yeah. 
Possibly. So, I mean, they have access to swords too, right? So True. Uh, I guess the other piece of news was that fabled passage old border foil. Boy, are they milking this. So funny, because there was lots of theory crafting in our Discord about how, you know, after Time Spiral, they'll probably give old border foils a rest. I said on cast a couple times, we'll probably see them like once a year. Nah, man. They, they smelled the money and they're just going for the juggler. <laughs> and I did, and I have pointed out before that this is such a rich vein, they can actually go to it pretty hard for a while and not run out of options. So mm-hmm. Fabled Passage, getting yet another version, this time the old border foil, which actually looks quite lovely. And I think you get these from spending 50 bucks at your local LGS. So you'll probably want to get in there, get your Modern Horizons 2 order in, get your Sanctum Prelate lined up, get your Fabled Passage lined up somewhere along the way, support your local store and get some goodies. Oh, so they're, uh, the Fabled Passage is a toss-in for going to your store, huh? Yep. And the Mystery Booster well, Convention Editions, obviously, are just the leftovers that Channel Fire, like CFB Events had, being right. that Wizards probably agreed to re, like, buy back or th- through whatever arrangement de-risked for Channel Fireball, and they're sending them off to the stores for them to get a boost. Right, 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 right. And, th- and this uh, is very relevant because those boxes were up over $1,000 yeah. when this announcement was made, so and dropped from like 1500 to 800 or something. And I haven't checked what their latest prices are today, but I wouldn't be surprised if they've cratered even further. Yeah, I have a friend who has a, a couple. Now we now we don't know. Do. They did mention something about these boxes not being exactly the same. And if that's true, then it's not the CFB inventory. Because that wouldn't make sense, right? Like they didn't like open the boxes and change some stuff and then reseal them. Uh, so, okay, but if they already said it, they're not exactly the same boxes, doesn't that immediately preclude that? Well, I'm wondering whether they're not exactly the same might mean that there's a buy a box promo or they've done something else interesting to them. But probably, yeah. Huh. Like, Which is... it's, it just seemed obvious to me that there would be CFB events product floating around that would need to be dealt with. But yeah, maybe, maybe, I mean, that, maybe this really is a fresh run. That's the way you and I have looked at it for a while is like CFB probably had a bunch stranded and they've been looking for a way to get rid of them. And we're like, oh, here it is. Um, but maybe not. Yep. Because well, that would because the, the those conv- those boxes they're sending now are for stores to entice people back for paper events. Right. That's the way they were releasing them. Yeah. It strikes me as like WPN premium will probably get the bulk of it. And then maybe other stores will get le- at a lesser amount. Un- we don't have full details yet. I'm sure we'll be talking about it in, in weeks to come. But uh, I'm-, I'm curious to see how it plays out. I don't really have much exposure to all that. Uh, I only took on a relatively scant amount of the playtest cards and outed most of the good ones pretty quickly uh, f- for good money. So I'm curious whether how to what extent and for how long this sets back the you know Slivdrazi monstrosity and so forth. Yeah, I'm. Mean, I'm just trying to think. Like, if you're, if Wizards did decide to buy back a bunch of the boxes from Channel Fireball that were supposed to be for the GPS, and then distribute them around the country, you would think that, like, I mean, there was enough supplies for the GPS. But what do those numbers look like when you start sending them to every card store in the country? I mean, it's, it wouldn't be every card store; it would only be probably the advanced levels. But it still seems seems like you wouldn't get that many boxes per store. 
when you start spreading it out like that. But if if they're different, then it just seems like a whole new run. Hmm. A lot of interesting stuff on the horizon for... <laughs> on the horizon. God damn it. Yep, they got you. Modern Horizons 2 here. <laughs> so we should have more information in, I think, a week. I believe previews are just after my birthday. Something like that. So we just need to... What, do they start next Monday then? Mm. No, you said a little over a week? Yeah, I feel like it's the 18th or something. I have to go look it up. Are they going to give us nothing for next week's episode? That would be annoying. Yeah, so D&D previews are June 29th. That's a ways off. And the worldwide release is July 23rd. And I think they moved back Modern Horizons release a week. Uh, That was part of the announcement pattern. Hmm. So I suspect it's either next week or the week after that we're going to get more juice on, on MH2. Um, but I can tell you that Old Border Fetches was really all they needed to drop <laughs> to send the pre-order skyrocketing. A- Amazon's price at three fifty one for the CBs was like probably sets the market low outside of Pro Trader and some other like especially generous local game stores. And who who sold those? Was that Wizards? Yeah, we the, the common belief is that Wizards is selling direct through an arrangement with Amazon. They're right on Amazon. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Well, I think that covers all of our bases for the week. Uh, where can our listeners find you, James? You guys can find me on Twitter at MGG Critic, as well as via occasional articles on MGGPrice.com and a constant haunting of the Pro Trader Discord. And I am Travis Allen. I'm on Twitter at WizardBumpin, B U M P I N. I have a TikTok now, but I don't post anything there, so there's no reason to follow me. But I am enjoying it. Make a man dance and I don't need TikTok we, is one of the best lines that of uh, I've heard in hip hop in recent memory. We, Shout outs we to need Pete a, and Baz. We, we need a, there is a space there, right? I haven't heard of any MTG finance TikTok content. It'd be, it'd be a really good platform, honestly, for picks. Uh, no, like the, a 60 second little clip of your pick of the week. Yeah, there, there was, there, I mean, we can talk about that. There, there was, there was some box cracking that was, that, I heard was done on there. Was there? I have seen, not that I have gone looking for it, but none of it has crossed my radar. I mean, I think continuous streams for, for anything value, like any, any commerce, (laughs) I would definitely want for legitimacy purposes to have a continuous stream. Um, So I'm not sure to what extent that platform supports that technology. I, bl- I know you can go live, but I don't know anything beyond that. Yeah. So, I mean, as long as you can go live continuously, I think you're fine. All right. So I'd like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com Pro Trader service for just $9.99 a month or $109.99 per year. You get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money buying Modern Horizons 2. <laughs> and... Who knows what the Russian price on that stuff's going to be. They don't have CBs, but they will have regular boxes. And I got some pretty outlandish offers this week. Russian foil polluted, uh, not polluted Delta, uh, Scalding Tarn. I don't know mm. if that card actually exists, but if it does, those boxes will be a trillion dollars. <laughs> 
<laughs> because that card is probably five to six grand. I I am upset that there is someone who would spend that much money on that stupid card. Just the fact that that person exists rankles me. My man, there there are people buying three to four thousand dollar cold foils that came out of Monarch booster boxes for Flesh and Blood this week for a game that nobody's played yet in North America. I know there ex- the existence of these people upsets me. It bothers me to my <laughs> core. Um, once again, MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic Gathering single sealed product and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5 during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this here podcast. Uh, That's the end of episode 271. Got to talk about Modern Horizons 2 and the Dungeons & Dragons set, and maybe we'll have some more of that to talk about next week. Uh, If not, I'm sure we'll find something else interesting. Thank you, Travis. Thanks to our vendors that shipped all of the Monarch boxes we ordered and made it real easy on the pro traders. And we'll see you all next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance.